Right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Association for Project Management PMO SIG web interview. Uh, and thank you for joining us. This is the latest in our series of PMO wisdom uh, interviews that we've been doing over the last few years as part of the, uh, the PMO SIG in APM. And today with us, we have uh, Emma Blagg, who is the head of PMO Borders and managed quarantine services from the Department of Health and Social Care. Um, just to put this into a bit of context, this interview took place on the 1st of July 2021 in the UK. Um, just as we are emerging from the restrictions um, following the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, and uh, we're just uh, at the moment we're seeing quite a steep rise in number of cases and there's also quite a lot of uncertainty as well around traveling abroad uh, particularly as we approach the uh, the holiday season so so a very very busy time for Emma and Emma's team so thank you first of all Emma for taking time out to support us uh, and to support the SIG and, and reaching out to our members so that they are able to learn from from your experiences uh, can I ask you Emma then please to start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, really happy to be here. Um, I'm the head of the PMO, as you've already said, at the uh, Borders and Managed Quarantine Services Programme, which is part of the suite of programmes that the Department of Health uh, has in place to manage the ongoing pandemic. Um, I'm heading up a PMO there. Um, I can talk about a little bit about um, how that was set up, if that's helpful. So the PMO was set up uh, at the start of the programme in January, um, and the programme itself was set up incredibly quickly, um, bringing in a service within 20 days, in fact, so that's 20 working days, um, to enable us to um, keep, uh, you know, to have the quarantine service up and running. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, we exist to support uh, the work on the variants of um, concern. This is variants of concern um, coming into the UK and programme exists to ensure that we can try and keep uh, those variants out of the UK. So um, yeah, we were sort of at very, very short notice and the PMO has evolved uh, really rapidly to support the needs of the ongoing programme. So that's my, my current role. Um, I think you also asked me about, you know, where I'd, where I'd come from and how I found myself here. Um, I've been working in government major programmes for many years, um, about 15, 20 years, uh, and I've worked in a variety of different um, programmes, most of which have been on the government's major projects portfolio or the GMPP. Um, so I'm used to sort of big, fairly controversial programmes, uh, worked in the passport office, the border agency, and also in the home office. And uh, yeah, I was... Um, looking for a new challenge and I'm, I'm, you know, it's a, it's an incredible place to be at the moment in the Department of Health. And I think that most people working there would have a really strong sense of purpose and a sense that we're all playing our part in the uh, ongoing pandemic response. It's incredibly motivating to feel that, you know, we can really make a difference. Okay. And you mentioned, Emma, that um, the PMO has been in existence now since, I think, the beginning of the year, so about sort of six months. Can you just tell us a little bit about how it was set up and uh, how you managed to cope with the uh, the very rapid timescales to to set, set, the, set the PMO up and running? Yeah, I, I can do. Um, the the programme itself began on the 26th of January, uh, when ministers decided that they wanted to have a suite of measures at the border um, and the, the the quarantine service was one of those measures. Um, 
the, I joined the programme at the beginning of March um, and the PMO had been a small team which was run by a consultancy company who had done a fantastic job in setting up some uh, simple processes, some simple reporting and some sort of simple kind of governance, which was fantastic. The project was working in a really, really agile way. So daily stand-ups involving the full team. Um, so what we needed to do at that point, it kind of represented a bit of a turning point to move from that, I suppose, minimum, minimum viable product, which was the initial quarantine service and the package of arrangements that go alongside that, which include travel uh, to your hotel, include the testing that you, you know that you need to do scale up and we needed to look at the end-to-end -end service and to consider whether you know we should be making improvements across it which represented a fantastic opportunity you know coming into that as a project delivery professional um, to really um, make the PMO part of that scaling up of the program to make it part of um, the way that we provided a more up we've got more um, ability to plan ahead, to think about things that we're going to need to do next um, and to um, make sure that we've got more of the things that you would expect to find in a programme of this scale. So starting from first principles of working out what, we, what we're here to do, which is about keeping variants of concern out of the UK, making sure we've got sensible plans in place, that we've got you know, sensible reporting and controls, uh, light touch, um, so bringing people together to look through uh, plans uh, and monitor and that whole process and make sure we've got uh, simple uh, risk and issue management. So I think the initial part of me joining, so for the first, I've been on the programme about four months, uh, the first sort of part of it was to just be able to put our arms around the whole scope of the programme and be able to uh, get a sense of where we are with all of that, if that makes sense. And we've systematised some of the processes around changes to the uh, arrangements for the different uh, red, amber and green country lists. So they're relatively uh, unpredictable because they, they, they follow the epidemiology and the recommendations that are made across government around that and the decisions that COVID-O make. That can be relatively unpredictable and we have to act very, very quickly. So to manage that, to support the management of that whole part of the programme, uh, we've developed um, readiness uh, checklists and processes to make sure that it's as plug and play as possible. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So I think sounds fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think what I'm saying is, we're starting with the basics. I think and and trying to build out from there. What would you say makes the the PMO interesting or, or different, and and, uh, and and what what are the factors that make it successful? So I, it's interesting. I've worked in lots of different programs, and I I've always felt you know I enjoy fast paced delivery, but really the the program I work in now is is like nothing I've ever known in terms of its speed and the, the with which it changes and evolves. So I think that. Um, context forces you as a programme and as a PMO to focus in on the things that you absolutely have to have uh, and really only on those. So, you know, the plan which shows what we're doing and when we're doing it um, and the processes that, that are associated with that, as well as adopting a really flexible approach within the PMO to help um, 
all of the staff that work on the programme are generally on loan or they're contractors or consultants. So, you know, we have quite a high uh, staff turnover, um, which is a just a factor of, of where we are. And in fact, it's quite an interesting way of working and potentially a model that, that, that could bring benefit in other places. But of course, it means there's a lot of knowledge that does leave with people. So one thing we're trying to do is to be flexible and to support teams in developing their plans more so than I think I've experienced in other places. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, it sounds like a perfect example of, a, of an agile PMO adopting agile principles. Um, what sort of size of the PMO is, can you tell us a bit about the team? How many people yes. and so on? Yeah, happy to. So we've got uh, a few civil servants and we'll be increasing those numbers over the coming weeks. Um, been lucky enough to secure some really good resources um, and some consultants with deep expertise in PMOs and in also across government working on things like um, Brexit and different organisations. Um, so so it's it's finding people with with those kind of skills. And we've also lucky enough to still have some of the original team who were part of that initial setup of the PMO. Uh, and in, yeah, so it's a, it's a very mixed team, lots of different backgrounds, um, very diverse team in terms of the skills that we've got. And I think that's really important for the PMO uh, itself is to have that range of perspectives and experience that you can draw on. Does that help to maintain that agile approach as well to how you're running the programme or how you're supporting the programme? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's always good to have um, different different views and perspectives. I think the, um, the thing with the PMO in this fast paced environment is that it, it's very little point in um, you, adhering too closely to the, you know, the textbook or to the, the absolutely best practice from you know, when you've got a program that's got a particularly sort of structured life, and I'm describing, you know, generically things I've worked on in the past, where there is, you know, a phase will mature for a, for a six months or a year and you can kind of get into a battle rhythm. That's not really the case um, on, on the program I'm on because it's so incredibly um, fast moving. So, so what, what's helpful is to have people who've got the ability to flex and to apply um, some of the principles in a very light touch way without um, wanting to delve too deeply into the um, some of the more detailed aspects of prog uh, programme management that, that you might get on a much more uh, long running, um, more detailed programme, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of some of the specific services you provide? Yeah, happy to. So we started by as I've said, you know, working on the core things, so making sure that we got a coherent, recognisable um, plan um, and associated reporting and controls around that. So making sure we've got, you know, weekly checkpoints in place, that everybody understands how they fit in, understands their particular part to play in that. Um, we've built on a, um, we're lucky enough to have a fantastic governance lead, um, a civil servant governance lead who's really been able to um, develop the governance and link it into the controls that we've got, which means that we're able to sort of um, start from that kind of governance and planning point of view and then start to build out. So we've recently conducted um, and commissioned an IPA review. This is the Infrastructure and Projects Authority um, that reviews government programmes, uh, which is a very helpful exercise. Uh, and what we're doing, you know, in partly in response to that and also partly because it 
that was our plan. We're doing things like working out um, some of the deeper aspects of um, program management that you you know you'd want to see. So uh, it, you know a detailed assurance plan, thinking much more um, about developing our stakeholder on our communications plans as well as, um, you know, kind of, so, so I think what I'm describing, I'm giving you a list there of artefacts, but what I'm describing there is a is a sort of set of um, controls, all of which will need to be very light touch. Yeah, so in keeping with your agile approach and the flexibility that you were talking about earlier. Yes, in terms of, in terms of our approach, it's, it's starting with the, keeping it simple, I think. Yeah. Okay, and uh, what advice would you have for, for PMOs of all kinds to remain current? Because we hear quite a lot about PMOs needing to evolve and needing to continue to demonstrate that they're adding value. So how, how would you suggest PMOs should do that? I think um, that, that, yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I think one of the things that can be, so, to, so setting up and running an effective PMO is a really difficult thing to do, I think. It's highly skilled and often it's underrated in terms of the level of skill that it requires. Um, I think that therefore it, it can be it can be such a Herculean effort to get it rolling and working that it can be a little bit tempting to sort of, you know, rest on your laurels and imagine that that's, that's enough. I think that in order to stay current, you have to understand what where the programme's going next and be able to begin to adapt what you're doing in the PMO um, almost before everyone else knows that's what's what the direction is, if that if that makes sense. So yeah. you sort of have to be able to predict the future. Um, in order to do that, of course, you you know, the, the, I think one of the challenges is attracting the right mix of people on the team. Because if you're running a PMO as a service as a going concern, that's a different set of skills normally um, that are required to do that effectively than the kinds of sort of forward thinking um, connections that you probably want to make into the strategy that you're delivering against or to the, the wider programme. And so I guess I, that must be one of your main sort of challenges is is the fact that it's so fast changing the environment you're working in at the moment that it's often very difficult to sort of be able to plan ahead in that way. Yes, and yes, see absolutely. Those changes. Yep, indeed, uh, it's really really challenging. I think I think your only response to to you know to, to lots of fluidity around in the environment is to consider different extreme scenarios and think about what that might mean. Um, I, I suppose in a fast-paced environment, we're probably not um, spending too long on, on establishing things. Um, I think we, we change slightly um, everything we do every week. Yeah. So hopefully we're keeping our services um, live to the programme's needs. And also I think there's a conversation, isn't there? It's important to um, make sure that you're adding value. I'm quite a strong believer for PMOs that they should be less about marking somebody's homework and more about helping them uh, to not to necessarily do the homework for them, but to actually um, help them plan, get really into that providing resources. So one of the things that the PMO uh, that I run does is to provide resources to other parts of the programme to make sure that we are supporting delivery in the best way we can. And of course, that's great because it means that we we don't have to provide a person interfacing into that team. We've already got them in there. 
Okay, that's really interesting, Emma. And and a question we always finish on with these uh, PMO wisdom interviews is if you could travel back in time uh, to when you started the the PMO up uh, in January this year, what piece of uh, wisdom would you give yourself? Um, I think there'd be something for me about um, letting myself know that the, the the best response to change is not to try to control it because you can't control it, but actually the best response to that is to just go with it and realise that there is such a thing as good enough and that when something's very, very fluid and constantly changing, that um, that, that the, the barrier um, to that, the, the boundary for that might be in a slightly different place than it would have been on a much uh, in a different context. So I don't know if... So, so that what I mean by that is um, making sure that you really focus on the things that really, really matter because you don't have time to do some of the things that are really useful and value adding, but but they're not the core uh, set of activities. Yes, separating out the things that need to be done, I suppose, from the wants and the nice mm-hmm. to haves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that boundary where you would draw that, you probably would. You, you know the line rises up to very much into the the only doing the things that absolutely have to be done okay that's really interesting emma thank you very much well again thanks thanks very much for sharing your experiences uh, and your insight with us uh, and uh, we wish you all the very best with it thank you very much